Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. All right, I guess I better preach. Um, all right, I, I don't even know how this message is going to go. I'm going to give you a disclaimer right from the jump. I have no idea how this message is going to go. The last message it was a little challenging to get through because it's not exactly a sermon. It's not really a preach. It's I don't. Even, I, it is a teach, but it's almost like um, it's almost like a, a dad talk. And uh, I had talks like this with my pops on the way home from basketball games. And we'd get in the car and for about 45 minutes to an hour on our way to the house, he would ask me questions and he would give me life advice and he would impart principles and he'd put good things into me in those moments. And I know it's mama's day, not daddy's day, but the message that I have this morning is gonna bless some of the moms because I'm gonna challenge some of the dads. <laughs> and if you're a single lady in here and uh, the guy that God intends for you to marry just also so happens to be in the room, you're welcome. <laughs> it's going to be helpful for him. Okay. So um, what I'm going to continue in on today is our third installment of a sermon series that we've uh, jokingly called a few different things, but I'll officially title it today as this, The Way of the World Changer. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a world changer. Come on, look at them on the other side and tell them, you're a world changer. You are a world changer. And this is the way of the world changer. It is our culture here at Legacy Nashville. If you are a guest, can I ask you, please come back. All right, this is not the normal message you'll get from me. Uh, but I do believe that it is God highlighting something that is essential for our house. Okay, so we've, we've called the way of the world changer 5H culture. Everybody say 5H culture. All right, so this is the 5H culture. We have five H's that make up our culture. Number one is this, holy. Number two is this, humble. Number three is this, hungry. Number four is honorable and number five is healthy and uh, my wife is going to be uh, preaching the message on healthy we thought that'd be a great fit for her a good pastoral message and then today I would challenge everybody uh, with this topic on hungry every word uh, in our environment has also a phrase uh, that that word is embedded within and for us when we say hungry we say it like this we are hungry to do the work Everybody say that with me, please. We are hungry to do the work. How many of you guys know that revival is spelled W-O-R-K? <laughs> How many of you guys know that you can spell blessing W-O-R-K? You could spell breakthrough, W-O-R-K. It's amazing to me how many people are so passionate about praying for blessing. And then when the blessing shows up, they have no idea what to do with it because they're not prepared to do the work to steward the breakthrough. And then we wonder why breakthrough never comes. I get it, you wanna be blessed, but if you wanna be blessed, you've also gotta pray for more than the blessing. You've gotta pray for perseverance. You've gotta pray for passion. You've gotta pray for urgency. You've gotta pray for uh, to be an initiator. These principles, these character traits, these are things that are not that sexy, are they? Because we like to floss. <laughs> you know, we like to put on our license plates, blessed. I, I, I grew up next to somebody with a Lexus, and I remember the front right license place, uh, plate in old English letters, blessed. I always wanted that. If you want to be blessed then you've also got to pray for the grace to be good stewards. So when we say hungry around here, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about we're, we're, we're passionate. We're talking about we're intentional. We're urgent. There's a sense of urgency about our lives. Uh, we're perseverant, right? We're also, we're owners. We're, we're owners. We take ownership over what we're a part of. If you are a part of this church, please do not come and talk to me and say, oh, your church. No, this is our church. 
<laughs> People say that to me all the time. Oh, your church. No, 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 it's not my church. First of all, it's Jesus' church, all right? We get to be stewards of this blessing, and it's not mine, it's not Allison's. We get the pleasure of serving as lead pastors in this season, but this is our church. So we all collectively are taking ownership over what is ours. Amen? So you, so you treat God's house like you treat your house, or better, but never worse. I'm preaching already. You guys taking notes. So we're owners, bless you. We serve wholeheartedly. We go above and beyond. We practice excellence. We believe in good quality. So we got the black frames on the outside windows. Y'all saw that Joanna Gaines upgrade. Yep. Looks good, don't it? Man. That's us. This is us. Quality, hardworking. Here's what we're not. We're not dispassionate. We're not apathetic. We're not cold. We're not lazy. We're not quitters. <laughs> too, too harsh already. We're not quitters. My dad would never let me quit anything as a kid. How about you guys? The only thing I ever got to quit was tackle football. Once. I never wanted to play again. I wish Seth was here for this, bless. But they let you play on the seventh grade team as a fifth grader in my school but I look like a third grader and then I got on the field with seven graders that look like ninth graders so it was like freshman versus a third grader and they used to try to like pay paper rock scissors to see who could go against me in the drills to see how far they could you know like bow I know I'm traumatized pray for me man <laughs> I told my dad after our first game I said I quit this and, and he was like you know what honestly it's wisdom will you quit you quit you're quitting. Yeah, you're quitting this. I know I don't normally let you quit, but you're going to get hurt, man. <laughs> That's the only thing I think I've ever quit. There is something to be said about consistency, and I think it is a character trait that would do our generation well to develop. So often we give up way too soon, but if you'll just learn to be consistent, the blessing will come. Come on, you need to remind yourself this morning, the blessing is on its way. Don't move your hand from the plow. Keep moving forward in consistency. The blessing is on its way. We are not quitters. Tell your neighbors, I ain't no quitter. I ain't no quitter. I ain't no quitter. All right, so give me some grace, okay, as we do this message. Because it's a little mean. All right. All right. So, I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but we live as part of a generation of big dreamers, right? And if you look at the young generation coming up, uh, I believe they have bigger dreams than ever before. I mean, uh, when I was coming up, I remember p people saying things like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. I want to be a fireman. You know, I want to be a farmer. I grew up in West Kentucky. And now you hear people talking like, I, I, want, to be, I want to be the president. I want, to be, uh, I want to be an ambassador. I want to be a famous movie star. I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a TikToker. Man, TikTok's something different. I've been on there a little bit. Hey. So... Like, you hear young kids today, in fact, there was a website that I had read uh, a couple years ago now, but they had asked young children what they wanted to be when they grew up. You know what the number one response was? They wanted to be a famous YouTuber. They want to be an influencer, right? Because they're like, hey, man, forget money. If I can get famous, the money will come. You know? And, and we see the enemy working through some of those things right like when I grew up people were talking about the prosperity gospel you know like oh you are as anointed as you are wealthy but now what we see people embracing is the popularity gospel which is you are as anointed as you are influential and so the enemy really has people believing that unless you have a K behind your follower count then you're not worthy of being loved and celebrated as a minister I told, I told you a little mean. 
It's a little mean, Thomas. But we live in a city of dreamers. Have you guys noticed that? Like people move from all over the world to Nashville because they are dreamers. They want to hit it big in music. They want to hit it big in entertainment. They have big dreams. They got a big vision. So they come here and they're going after the big dreams that they have in their heart. And some of them are Christians and they feel that God has put those dreams in their heart. I want to do this with my life. I'm going to do that with my life. And I know this is from God because he told me so in prayer. I got a prophetic word about how awesome and powerful and great that I am called to be. I am a dreamer. You guys know what I'm talking about? I am one of those people too, okay? Take heart, all right? Your pastor is a big dreamer. I've always been a big dreamer. I've always had a huge imagination, and I've always believed God for great things. I just feel like nothing shall be impossible, right? Because that's what Jesus says. Uh, but sometimes I do get a little ahead of myself, and uh, I like to have big dreams, but then I make no plans. And I realize that something is missing from the equation if I am truly expecting God to bless me with the inheritance of my dreams. And that's what I'm talking about today. We're hungry to do the work. It's amazing to me the people that live with their head in the clouds, but they refuse to put their feet in the dirt and actually do anything practically. I, I told you, mothers, women, this is a blessing to you for all the men in the room, all right? We've got to get practical. I remember one time I was driving down Highway 65 with Pastor Banning Liebscher, and I was going on and on and on about my dreams and my visions and how we were going to win Nashville for Jesus and all this amazing stuff that we were going to build and these ministries that we were going to start and how we were going to bring impact all over the world. And he was just looking out the window, ignoring me. I'm like, hey, Banning, did you hear me? I'm about to change the world, bro. Get impressed by my big vision. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Right? Because it's so easy to get identity out of being a dreamer. Isn't it? I'm somebody who has big dreams. I'm somebody who has a big vision. And so we expect, we demand out of our relationships that people celebrate and affirm us for having big dreams. But it's one thing to have a big dream. It's another thing to do big dreams, right? And just because you have a big dream doesn't necessitate that you inherit the big dream. And so as Banning is sitting out, you know, sitting in the passenger side looking out the window, he's listening to me. But I'm like, bro, are you hearing me? I just, I just told you some awesome stuff that I'm going to do. And, and, and he looked over. He said, oh, I'm not impressed by big vision. Excuse me? I thought you were my friend. You talking to me like that? He said, I'm not impressed by big vision. I'm impressed by people who do their vision. Like, I'm going to punch you in the throat, bro. Don't kill my vibe. But isn't that how we treat people when they, t when they tell us, hey, step up, do the work. You're killing my vibe, bro. Oh, my bad. I didn't know you wanted to stay within the realm of fantasy. I didn't realize that's what we were doing there. If, if, if you'd like me to do that, I can sit with you in it for a little bit. But eventually a true friend is going to say, hey, get your head out of the clouds. Put your feet onto the dirt. Put your hand to the plow because it's time to do some hard work. So today we're talking about being hungry to do the work. So we're going to break off some of that. Um, of I get my identity out of being a dreamer. Okay, I'm, I'm happy for you. But if you don't do the work, then your dreams will die in a broken heart. And you'll be confused blaming other people for your dream not happening when in reality you never worked for it. You just felt entitled to it. Listen, we're not raising victims in this house. We are raising victors in Christ Jesus that take responsibility for what he has accomplished through the cross. And we make no excuses for not doing what he says that we can do. Because he is not a man that he should lie. 
Can I, can I say this during my intro? You are not entitled to anything. You already have life. You got air in your lungs. You have salvation, a free gift that came as a result of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You already have the Holy Spirit that's taken up residence on the inside of you as a result of your salvation. And you already have the grace of God that He has given you freely, supernaturally empowering you to do everything that you are called to do. What more do you have need of? Maybe your patience is really just procrastination. It'd be great if we'd stop calling patience what's actually procrastination. Because don't we love to put like spiritual makeup on dysfunction? Oh, I'm just being patient, brother. Fruit of the Spirit. No, you're procrastinating playing PS5 for 12 hours a day. Dang. <laughs> Ren, you need to come to the front row, bro. Come to the front row. And, and I want you to shout me down throughout this entire message. All right? Listen, I don't know who needs to hear this, but nobody owes you nothing. I haven't even read a scripture yet, but listen. Some of us need to grow up, all right? Nobody owes you nothing. Your mama has already blessed you enough by birthing you, all right? By feeding you, by cleaning your butt, by making sure you made it to the age that you're at today. Nobody owes you nothing. Jesus has worked for you so that you can work for yourself. Can I say it like that? So maybe what we'll talk about today is we'll just talk about from the framework, framework of the theology of hard work. How many of you guys think that the Bible has anything to say to you about working hard? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I thought like walking with the Lord was like hanging in a cozy cottage, like falling gracefully into a Thomas Kincaid painting or something. <laughs> It's always easy. I'm always blessed. Have you read the Bible? Work is required. Your dreams from God show up like an Ikea box. I, I mean, like, it is very exciting, isn't it? Like, when you get your Ikea furniture, like, yes! And if it's your first time you open it up, you're like, heck no! The first dresser we, are, we ever bought from Ikea took me three days to put together. I'm like, man, it never ends. Your promises from God show up on your porch like Ikea boxes. Assembly required. It was like, oh, you thought I was going to do everything for you. See, I already went to the cross, bro. I already did my part. Now it's your turn to co-labor with my spirit to do what I've called you to do. And there's actually great joy in this. Working is something that God has established us to do from the beginning of time. If, if, if you look at the Bible, Genesis chapter one, and this is really the first declaration I'd love for you to make alongside me is this, is I am created to work, all right? Can we say this together? I was created, it's point one. I was created to work. Do you believe it? It's a very simple sentence, but it's very hard-hitting. I was created to work. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. This is right here in the beginning, the first chapter of the entire Bible. So God created man. Everybody say work. Is, isn't creativity hard work? Come on, Nashvilleians. Right? Being creative is hard. I remind my wife of that all the time when I need naps. She was like, I'm a mom. I have three, you're just taking a nap. I said, you're married to a genius. And what can I say? 
So I, I really told her this yesterday because I read somewhere that Albert Einstein said like you need a lot of naps when you're really smart. So I use that as an excuse. I'm like, hey, like you know, remember your vows, like. <laughs> Take this as a joke. I'm kidding, guys, okay? But that's it. we'll joke about that. That's how good my wife is. So God created man in his own image. Everybody say work. In the image of God, he created him. Everybody say work. Male and female, he created them. Everybody say work. And God blessed them and God said to them, now you guys go be fruitful and multiply. Everybody say work. And fill the earth and subdue it. Right? And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That sounds like work. That's work. Yeah. Right? And that, that's, that's how God established us to live as his creation is that we would work. Uh, skip ahead there to um, Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. It says, then God took the man and he put the man where? In the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. This is why I think that men love mowing the lawn. <laughs> it's true. Have you ever noticed that? Like, we're weird about it. It's like, why do you want to spend four hours on a Saturday weed eating? Blame God. Genesis chapter 2. He has put it in the heart of every man to tend a garden or a lawn. I know you're thinking we're weird when we're watching YouTube videos late at night on how to like the perfect soil mixture. And all Listen, blame God. He's the one that put it, put it in our hearts to do this, right? Because what does God do? He creates and we cultivate. He created Eden, but then he took the man and he put the man in, in Eden and he said, okay, I've created it, now you cultivate it. Which is, which is another word for stewardship. Let me show you in the Lexham Bible Dictionary uh, what the biblical definition of work actually is. An exchange of labor, skill, and time. Labor, skill, and time for what? For monetary or intrinsic rewards. It's often viewed in the Bible as an exercise of stewardship. God creates and we cultivate. This is something that God established, uh, God ordains... And so when he creates our first parents, Adam and Eve, he has them created to be like him, which is to also work. Um, I was looking through a book this week called Work Matters, uh, and the author referred to God as the first and best worker in the universe. So as human beings made in his image, uh, we will also work. And, and, and this is something that was established by God. Not only was it established in our first parents, but it continued on through Abraham and his kids and the, nations of, and the nation of Israel. So much so that God actually put it in the law that his people would work. And he, and he, he listed that twice, both in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Uh, chapter 20, verse 9 in Exodus and chapter 5, verse 13 in Deuteronomy says this. Six days you shall labor and you shall do all your work. Man, that, that is a good word right there, isn't it? Finish the work that you set out to complete in your work week. Don't be a procrastinator. Get it done and have a rest. It's, it's a very simple uh, principle. It sounds like your dad talking to you on the way home from a basketball game in the car. Son, you got this amount of time to get the work done, so get it done. We're hard workers in this house. That it's, like, it's like God having a combo with this boy. This is how we do things in this family. We get the work done. And then you have a rest. Right? And so we see that God creates and that man cultivates. And I'm sorry to tell you, if you don't want to work, if you don't like work, if you're allergic to work, you don't want to be a biblical Christian. I can guarantee you that because there's plenty of theology in the scripture, principles... That, that God instructs us to take into our work week. This is the way in which we are called to work in this family. And I'm not just talking about legacy. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. We are hard workers. We are passionate workers. We're urgent workers. We initiate. We're owners. We get after it. It's excellence. It's high quality. That is a reflection of how God is. Therefore, it's a reflection of how God has made us to be. Am I losing you yet? All right, let me give you some, some framework here, all right? 
So this is, um, you know, I guess point number two for the message. But I, I want to respond to the question, why in the world would God even do this? Why would, why would God make us work? Why would he do that, right? Okay, well, God created me to work so that I could sustain myself and support my family. Where's all the men at? Come on, it's too quiet in here. Let me hear all the men say amen. And, and, and on their behalf, all the women in here say, that's right. That's right, that's right, that's right. God has created you, man of God, woman of God, to work. Why? So that you could sustain yourself and that you could support your family. We see this in the beginning, Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread. No work, no food. Basic principle established at creation. If you want to eat good, work hard. Am I in trouble yet? Listen, I'm very well aware of where our culture is at right now. I understand that a message as simple as this flies in the face of some of our cultural aspects. If you want to eat good, work hard. Work hard. Established by God at creation. One of my friends, Herbert, he's a missionary to Japan. He tells his kids this. Son, hard work is hard. That's good, isn't it? Hard work is it's hard. It's the nature of hard work. Hard work is hard. But you look at Psalm 128 and 2. It says, when you eat the fruit of the labor of your hands, you will be happy and it will go well for you. So this is the byproduct of you working hard enough to sustain yourself and your family. It is happiness. It is joy. It is blessing. It is your life going well for you. These are the results of us obeying God and working hard to provide for me and my family. And when you mature, you take care of yourself and you take care of others. I'm going to say that again because I understand it was very basic. So it might like, oh, yeah, that, of course. Listen, the mature provide for themselves and their families. With the immature, somebody provides for them and they provide for nobody else. That's, that's the hard work of the mature. I take care of myself. I take care of my family. And the Bible says that's a good feeling. And, any, and anybody in here that provides for themselves, provides for their kids, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you know what I'm saying? On Saturday after you've mowed the lawn and you stand there like this. I'm a good dad. <laughs> Look at that grass. Son, give me a cold one. Root beer. I don't want to offend nobody. First Timothy 5 and 8. First Timothy 5 and 8 says, If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Man, that's not me, all right? That's Paul writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. And he said, listen, if you don't provide for yourself, you don't provide for your household, you're actually worse than an unbeliever, bro. Why? Because it is a testimony and it is a tool of evangelism for you to work hard and to provide. I'm telling you, blessing is a worthy tool of evangelism. When people watch, you're like, what is going on with you? You're so blessed. Let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about the word of God. Let me tell you about the principles of my family. We work hard in this house. And as a result, we're blessed. And as a result, I'm happy because I know I'm being a good person. I'm a good mom. I'm a good dad. I'm a good big brother. I'm taking care of my people. I'm looking out for my people. I'm taking care of my church. I'm taking care of my school. I, I want to talk to some mature people in here. Some women. Not just girls. I want to talk to some men. Not just boys. You know what I'm saying, Kev? Now, just boys, some men that take responsibility for somebody aside from their own stimulation. Something more than that. It's so quiet in here. It's biblical that you provide for yourself and your family. Everybody say amen. So get hungry to do the work. All right, point three. God created me to work. Remember, this is in response to the question, God, why'd you do this to us? 
Why did you create us to work, right? Point three, God created me to work so that I could experience joy and fulfillment in my work. This is, this is the byproduct of doing the work that God has called you to do. You experience joy and you experience fulfillment. Man, I'm doing what God's called me to do and I'm working hard at it. I may not see everything I want to see take place, but I know I'm giving it my best. Therefore, I can have peace and I can rest and I can experience fulfillment and joy because I know I've done all that I can do to honor God through my hard work. And, and so you see Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 24 says this, nothing is better. Everybody say nothing is better. For a man or a woman than to eat and to drink and to enjoy his work. That's literally the Bible. Nothing is better for a man to, a woman to eat and to drink and enjoy their work. Take care of their kids. Have a good life. Have a peaceable life. We got to detox from this like, oh, well, I'm not successful unless I'm famous. Well, that's not what Ecclesiastes said. If you could just live a good life, take care of you and yours, feed yourself, have good food, you know, enjoy your life. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I think we need to get back to these basics. So we can start looking out for ourselves, looking out for our families, looking out for our kids. Instead of living our whole lives caught up in this dream that God never called us to carry. Like, what if you stop doing all the things God never told you to do? What if you just stopped? What would your life look like? Ecclesiastes said, man, it'd be pretty good if you kept it simple. Eat, drink, take care of yourself, take care of your family, take care of your kids, take care of your loved ones. Work hard by the sweat of your brow. You're going to eat good. Is this too basic? <laughs> Who needs to hear this? Nobody, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> you ain't got to nudge nobody either. But God created you to work so that you could experience joy and fulfillment. Number four, God created you to work so that you could serve other people through your work. For those of you guys in the hospitality industry, man, this is right up your alley. You talk about an opportunity to share the gospel with people at work, go the extra mile. Make sure the plate's clean when you bring them the food. Make sure the latte art, you know what I'm saying, is right. I don't even know how to do latte art, bro. Put a cross in it. I don't know. <laughs> but go the extra mile. Work hard. Make it high quality. Be a person of great excellence. Right? God created us so that you could serve others. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. This is Paul talking to born-again believers. Anyone who has been stealing has got to stop stealing. How's that for a dad word? Just stop it. <laughs> I, love I love things like this. Stop, but must what? But must work. Y'all help me. But must Doing something useful. How do you know if it's useful? Is it blessing anybody but you? What's what I want to do? Well, it ain't helping nobody. My grandgrand used to tell me, like, make yourself useful, boy. You know, if we're out there working on something, make yourself useful. What do you want me to do, grandgrand? Stay in handy. That's what he used to say. Stay in handy. Stay in handy. Make yourself useful. You see something needs to be cleaned up, get the broom, clean it up. Initiate. Take ownership. This ain't just my grocery store, it's yours too. You see what the name is on the front? This is a true conversation. You see what the name is on the front of this grocery store? Y'all didn't know I grew up in a grocery store. Phillips Super Saver. That's what it was called. I ain't lying to you either. It's still there to this day. Wooden floors, and I had access to everything. I could pull a crunch bar off the thing anytime I wanted to. Nutrageous, Snickers, Butterfingers. I was a little entitled, though. I used to get, I used to pull, like, frozen pizzas out the fridge. I'd walk up to an employee, hey, cook that for me. <laughs> and they did it, they did it, they did it. <laughs> cut it, cut it with the scissors. <laughs> Sometimes it's a struggle to know who you are, you know what I'm saying? You got to remember to be humble in the midst of knowing your identity in Christ, you know. 
but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something, what's the Bible say? To share with other people, right? You're not blessed until you're blessing other people. Let me say it again. You're not blessed until you're blessing other people. Don't consider yourself blessed if all you're doing is consuming. Blessing, blessing is meant to overflow from you so that you become a, contrib a contributor, not just a consumer. No longer do we steal. No longer do we steal, but we share. No longer do we hoard. Me, mine, I'm not going to share. No, no. We move into this place of blessing and sharing and loving. And there's an overflow. And we're sharing with other people. And we're dissatisfied if I'm eating and somebody else is going hungry. And he said, this is a, a byproduct of being born again. And this is important. I know it might seem like a, you know, a short, simple principle, but some of us need to hear this because some of us are trying to preach to the person on the other side of the cubicle, walking into the supply closet and stealing all the pens. Y'all know what I'm saying. If you're stealing from your job, stop. It's quiet. Stop stealing the hand sanitizer. Stop stealing the highlighters. Stop stealing the toilet paper. Stop stealing stuff. Well, I work here. Did they say that it was in your job description? That whenever you needed some toilet paper, you could just pilfer it right out of the stall? No. People do that at churches, by the way. <laughs> I used to work at a church, and I hate to say this, but one of the staff members, he used to steal the Febreze noticeables all the time. And those things are like $9 each. You know, and he said, well, you know, I'm a man of God. You didn't sin. You're stealing. You ever read the Ten Commandments? You can't steal Febreze noticeables. God notices. That's right there, bro. Hey, that's, I know it's practical, but what did I say before we started? I gave you a disclaimer. It's just a dad talk. Stop stealing. If you're stealing, stop stealing. Point five. God created me to work so that I could glorify him through my work. Right? We see this Colossians chapter 3 verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What does it mean to do it in the name of Jesus? It's to do it like Jesus. To the best of your ability, do that like Jesus. If you're busting tables, do it the way Jesus would do it. Ask yourself, how would Jesus bust this table? If you're parking cars, say, how would Jesus steward this person's car that I'm parking right now? How would Jesus handle this? How would Jesus respond to this? And do everything that you can in your power to do the same. Do everything in word or deed. Do it in the name of Jesus. Work has been created by God. It's been established by God. It's been ordained by God. Therefore, our work is supposed to bring glory to him. And if there's something you're doing in your work that does not bring glory to him, I think it is time to pray and, and to consider to stop doing that. If you work in an industry where you are required to sin, to get paid, quit. I mean, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you work in an industry where you are required to sin, quit. And, and, and you guys, some of you guys might be in industries where, hey, it's just not the season to be in it yet. You know, I, I mean, I'm not saying that God didn't give you the dream, but until you have a team and people who can, you know, walk into it with you and there's some accountability and there's some protection and you've got prayer partners in the place, use wisdom as well. You know what I was doing before ministry? I was in the fashion industry for a little bit. You know what I realized I couldn't do? I couldn't be in the fashion industry not married. I'm serious. I was in too many dressing rooms. I was like, people are naked in here. I need to quit. For me, during that season, that's where I was. Maybe the Lord has you in a different season, and he gives you wisdom to know how to do that better than me. But I, know, I said, I need a wife. <laughs> wife, come in here with me. Now we're going to talk about Jesus. <laughs> hey. Too much detail? Thanks. All right, last, uh, last, last point is this. Uh, not working is not a godly option. Uh, let, me, let me try this side. Uh, not working is not a godly option. 
Ren, I need you to help me. Not working? It's not a godly option. That's what I'm talking about. It's not a godly option. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, what does it say? For even while we were with you, we gave you this command. If anyone is unwilling to work, he shall not eat. New Testament. Yet we hear that some of you are leading undisciplined lives. And they're accomplishing nothing, but they're being busybodies. This is, this is strong, isn't it? So we command and urge such people by our Lord Jesus Christ to begin working quietly to earn their own living. Don't be a burden to people. Be a blessing to people. If they said you could stay on the couch for two weeks, why you been there after six months? If they said, hey, eat your, you know, you got to put your own groceries, stop eating their leftovers. Somebody say, be a good roommate. I mean, come on. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, I got into it right there. I can tell. Take care of yourself. Take care of your stuff. You don't live at mama's house no more. Happy Mother's Day. We put a sign up at the old church, world changers wash dishes. We did that for the staff team. Don't leave your dishes out here. World changers wash dishes. We're looking for an opportunity to serve. We're looking for an opportunity to wash smelly feet. We're looking for an opportunity to get our hands dirty. We're looking for an opportunity to bless other people. Because I'm not, I'm not codependent on you to take care of me. I'm grown. Is this too basic? I'm grown. Right? And it's funny that people will say those things in church and demand opportunities for ministry. They're like, bro, you don't even make your bed. I got a message. You make your you didn't even, you didn't make your bed. You don't do you don't do anything basic. But that's that's the reality in which we live today. Can I get two good amens? Listen, it's time that we mature. It's time that we take care of business. We got to do the little stuff well. We're dreaming big. We're dreaming big, man. Can you imagine the Great Commission? Man, can you imagine we're going to accomplish the Great Commission? Can you imagine we're going to end human trafficking in our lifetime? Could you imagine we're going to eradicate poverty in East Nashville? Could you imagine? Like, we're going to do all the... Could you imagine? Man, we're... And Lord's like, hey, make your bed. I'm going to, I'm going to be famous, and I'm going to write number one hits. Lord's like, wash the dishes. Right? We're, we're, we're big dreamers around here. We're big dreamers in the city of Nashville. We are a generation of big dreamers. But where are the people that are hungry to actually do the work? Where are the people that are saying, listen, I'm signing on for the little stuff. And this is what Pastor Frank reminds me of all the time. He said, great leaders do the boring stuff well. The stuff nobody else wants to do. The stuff that nobody else sees. The stuff that nobody else acknowledges. You're like, I get this done. Why? Because I take ownership over the house. And I take care of this place like I'm a dad. You know, this is what I've noticed about church. We've been talking uh, like this for a while, which is we're not just a ministry. We are a family. Right? But when you say family, how does everybody view that? They come with a framework, and that is that usually of a child. Oh, it's a family. It's a family. This is going to be amazing for me. Like, like I'm going to come in as a family. And they're going to have food prepared, and then I'm going to eat it, and they're going to massage my feet, and they're going to put me under a weighted blanket, and they're going to let me binge watch Netflix until I, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Because that's the way that we approach oh, a family. I'm so happy I'm going to be taken care of. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Like, where are the people that will approach family, not, from, not through the lens of a kid, but through the lens of an adult? Somebody that's like, hey, I'm going to take care of the people that come in that our kids. I, I'm going to make sure that everything's set up right. I'm going to make sure that right? How you approach something will determine what you get out of it. How you approach someone will determine what you receive from them. And if you approach church like a family but from the context of I'm a kid, you'll get upset every time somebody's not serving you. 
But if you approach it as a full-grown son in the house, a full-grown daughter in the house, you don't come in here looking for how you can consume. Well, I hope the meal is prepared to the right temperature today because I don't like salads. That message was not to my liking. <laughs> right? But if I come as an adult, I'm saying, hey, I recognize that maybe I didn't like, I, maybe I don't really like vegetables, but they're good for people to eat. Amen? So there's a couple of reasons why I see that people don't work. Um, a couple reasons, three excuses. Listen, there may be good reasons for you not to work, but there are no good excuses. Can I say it again? You guys run out of grace for this message? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Listen, there's no, there, there might be some good reasons. There's no good excuses. Uh, number one, I, I, and these are stuff that people have told me. Well, you know, honestly, I, I'm, um, I'm lazy and I, I don't feel any motivation. I just don't feel any motive. I don't feel, I don't feel, I didn't feel. You notice there was no scriptures in there that said, when you feel like working, work. <laughs> when you feel. It's time for us to grow up, man. Proverbs 6, 9 said, how long will you lie there, O slacker? <laughs> when you get up from your sleep, when will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Doesn't that sound like a little poem? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. A little nursery rhyme for you. <laughs> we got full grown men. All the women in here thanking me today. I know you are. We got full grown men expecting somebody powder their booty and sing them a nursery rhyme. You've been married for three or four years, bro. Get a job. I, this is not, not going over well, is it? <laughs> a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And what, what's the result? And poverty will come upon you like a robber and need like a bandit. Idleness is something the Bible calls sinful and it will move you quickly towards poverty. Here's the second excuse I hear. I'm not skilled and I'm afraid to try. I don't know how to do that. I would go into real estate, but I don't know how to study for a test. I would, you know, be an entrepreneur. I feel like God's been speaking that over my life, but I just never did that before. So I feel some fear about going into that, I would quit my job, but I can't quit my job because if I quit my job, I'm not gonna be good at anything else, but I feel like God is speaking to me to go, you guys get what I'm saying? So Exodus chapter 31 verse three says, I have filled him with the spirit of God. I have the spirit of God. Come on, say it with me church. I have the spirit of God. I have the spirit of God with ability, with intelligence, with knowledge and with all craftsmanship. That means what God has anointed you to do. What God has appointed you to do, He will anoint you to do. He will give you grace. He will give you skills. He'll give you knowledge. He'll give you intellect. He'll give you craftsmanship. God is well able to equip you for the task that He has called you to. Have you guys ever heard this? God doesn't call the qualified, but He qualifies the called. He will equip you to do what He's called you to do. Third excuse, I'm selfish and I'm just not willing. Now that is probably really the most common, even though that's not normally the words that I'm told. The reality is you've just come to a place of acceptance of your selfishness. And it's time to jumpstart your heart, man. It's time to get back up again, woman of God. It's time to get back up again, man of God. It's time to dream again, man of God. I know you, you're suffering right now from some shattered dreams, but God has not called you to live in a place of despair. He has called you to live in a place of blessing. And if you'll get up and do what he says to do, he will co-labor with you. You will be blessed and you will experience happiness. Let me go back to Ephesians 4 just real quick. Last one, anyone who has been stealing, don't steal anymore. Work, do something useful with your hands that they may have something to share with those in need. You're not blessed until you've become a blessing. You're not blessed until you become a blessing. So in the end, a refusal to work becomes an acceptance of selfishness.
This is the last thing we're done. I work with God on what's important to him. How many of you guys believe that God is still working? Even when I don't see it. Right? Even when I don't feel it, he's working. How many of you guys like that? I love that song. We need to bring that back. We might have burnt it out for a little bit. Because, you know, everybody's playing it too much. But it's so good. God is still working on your behalf. God is still working today. So we're called to be like him. We are image bearers. We call ourselves Christians. That means we are Christ-like. We are called to work alongside God on what he is currently working on. What is God working on right now? I can tell you what he's still working on, the church. Right? What did Matthew chapter 16 say? 16, 18, Jesus said, hey, upon this rock, I am going to build my church. Everybody say work. That takes work. So I want to invite you today to respond and to get involved. Start working on what God's working on. God is working on the local church. And if you're not willing to participate and carry this workload with us, would you please, please, I'm, I'm begging you, please talk to the Lord prayerfully and ask him what part is yours to carry. How can you get involved in the work that he would call us to collectively together as a family? So, you know, I told you in the beginning, it's like, it's like you know, you're in the car with dad. He's like, I'm going to give you some life. That's all I did today. I don't really know that it was a good sermon or a good speech, but it was like us on a car ride. You know what I mean? Hey, son, daughter. Let me talk to you about how we behave in this family. We're hungry to do the work. Hey, son, you're not a victim. You're a victor. Daughter, stop being entitled. Drop the pride. Be humble. Get to work. That's tough. That's tough love right there. But I can tell you this. What I told you guys today is what I'm going to tell my kids. Don't let nobody tell you different either. Nope. Nope. Stop that. Stop. We don't live life looking for a handout. Stop. Stop. You work, you bless yourself, you bless other people. You're not just blessed for you. You're blessed for the world. You're blessed for the generation. You're... Don't complain. Nope. Nobody owes you nothing. Do you work for it? Is this too tough? <laughs> Jared's probably had some conversations like this with his pops. Nope, stop. Stop gossiping. Stop comparing. Get up. It's important that we practice these principles. You know why? Because if we don't, we'll miss out on the maturation that God has for us in this season. This is a work season, man. So you'll reap. It's a spiritual law. And you know what's interesting? There's one more scripture, I think, actually, Jen, but... You know, you don't determine the growth in your life. God does. Your responsibility is to sow into water. His responsibility is to bring forth the growth in the harvest. If you'll do your part, let me tell you, church, God will do his. Let me say it to you again. If you'll do your part, God will do his. There's some tough love today, wasn't it, Tim? There's some tough love today. You know, I, 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 I'm close with this story. This week, I, this week I was on a prayer walk. And I decided I was going to complain for a little bit. That's a safe place to do it in prayer. And I said, Lord, I can't wait till I'm an empty nester. <laughs> yeah, I know it's funny. <laughs> and the Lord's like, go on. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, um, I can't wait till I'm an empty nester. Then I get to do what I want to do. I'm tired of waking up when my kids wake up. I'm tired of going to bed when my kids go to bed. I'm tired of driving them to school when I want to take like an hour-long coffee in the morning with my wife. I, I'm tired of, you know, doing this in the middle of the day. I'm tired of having to do it. I, I want to work out when I want to work out. I want to watch, I want to watch the shows I want to watch. I don't want to watch Pinkalicious. <laughs> you know, I'm sick of Fancy Nancy. <laughs> I'm tired of it. I want to watch my action movies. You know? And the Lord's like, oh, okay, so you're going to put it on autopilot and coast till your kids all turn 18. Oh, hmm, hmm. That sounds real mature. 
That, that sounds like what a good dad would do. That sounds like what a man of God would do. That sounds like what a responsible, hardworking man of God would do. Like, actually, God, you're right. He said, if you do that, you'll miss out on the maturation of this season. It's hard work. Hard work is hard. Hard work in this season to raise kids that are their ages. But you know what? If you'll do it and do it with diligence and do it with honor and do it with love and you'll invest your heart into it and not put it on autopilot, the maturation that will come as a result of your work will do amazing things for your life, for your ministry, and the contribution you're called to make to this generation. You need to learn from the season that you're in. And I was like, oh yeah, God, okay, amen. And, and then I, I thought about the fact, you know, Alice and I, we live with, with our in-laws, Lila's here, my mother-in-law. And Lila's so great. She always does so much around the house. Like, I bet you I haven't done laundry in a year. I know you are jealous. You know, like last night, she's like, hey, I'm cooking salmon. Y'all hungry? Yes, I am. Didn't even have to order Uber Eats or go to the grocery store, you know? There's a lot of blessing in that. And I see we often do that in the church, too. Because I could put it on autopilot and say, oh, man, Lila will put the kids to bed. She's a, she's a great mom. She's, she's got a lot of energy. She does. She has a lot of energy. More than me, I think. Oh, she's, she's fine. She'll cook dinner for them. Oh, she'll, she'll change their diapers. Oh, that's fine. She'll wash their hair. She'll comb out Remy's hair. Let me tell you, Saturday night, come over to my house if you want to experience persecution. <laughs> Try to comb out Remy's hair. <laughs> yeah. And I realized I could put it on autopilot and say, oh, Lila will do it. And we do that in the church. Oh, Pastor Lyle will do it. Oh, Pastor Allison will do it. Oh, that person will do it because we pay them. So they have to. So they have to. Oh, no, team leader do it. I, I ain't going to do it, though, because it, I mean, they do it. Don't miss out on the maturation that this season has for you. All right, don't miss out on it. The fruit that's gonna come as a result will be usable and will create a contribution to your generation. All right, so let's stand up, let's pray. A theology of hard work. That was the weirdest message I ever gave here, I think. How many of you guys are inspired by God? To go a little harder this week on your job. How many of you guys are inspired by God? Say, no, no. It doesn't matter. I'm working for God. I ain't working for an immoral boss. I'm working for God. Thank God you don't work for an immoral boss, Sarah. I'm working for God. I'm not working for a paycheck. I'm working for a person. This is not a career. I am called. Amen? Could we work differently moving forward from this Sunday on. Would you guys agree with me in prayer right now? We're just going, we're going to be different workers. Amen. We're laboring unto the Lord. God, we, we just drop all of our excuses. I just declare that all of your excuses, church, they're just going to fit squarely in that little tiny pocket that's in front of you right there that you see on the back seat. So just leave your excuse right there. Just make a deposit. Just leave. Yeah, we'll, we'll clean it up. We'll expense. We'll leaf blow it out this week. Just leave it right there. Just, I'm leaving my excuses in the pew. Come on, I don't know who needs to leave their excuse in the pew today, but you're not gonna take that with you back into your car on the way home. No more excuses, no more excuses, no more spiritualizing my dysfunction. No more pretending like you have some prophetic word to do nothing when the word of God has told you to get up and do something for him. Listen, I, I know this is maybe one of those like kind of smack you on the head type of messages. But Lord, we just say thank you for ministering to us from your word. Thank you for giving us eternal truth for our temporary lives, God. All that we do, we want to honor you and to bless Jesus. All that we do, we want people to see and say, wow, that person right there, they must go to legacy. <laughs> they must be a Christian. They must be a believer. They must read the Bible because they're working in a way that's otherworldly. They're working in a way that makes me want to work harder. They're working in a way that inspires me to be a better person. Lord, we just say yes and amen. We say yes and amen to the boring work. We say yes and amen to the hard work. We say yes and amen to what you're calling us to do. 
In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen and amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.